Hello and welcome to Fintech Insider Insights. I'm Benjamin Ensor. I'm super excited about today's episode because it's about India, which is one of my favorite countries in the world. It's a fascinating country. And fintech is one of the fastest growing technology segments in India, bringing innovation in areas like digital identity, credit scoring, loans, payments, stock trading. India has led the world in areas like digital identity and biometrics, as well as having some of the financial services industry's best known technology providers. India's Aadhaar system is the world's largest biometric system with an astonishing 1.3 billion digital identities generated, which is 99% of the adult population of India. It's actually a bit more than that, but so what does the Indian fintech market look like? What technologies are paving the way and what opportunities does the ecosystem offer for fintech founders? But before we start, we just want to tell you about some of the things we're working on here at 11FS and have a quick word from our sponsors. Temenos is the world's leader in banking software, helping over 3,000 banks serve over 1.2 billion people. Our purpose is to make banking better. Together with our community, we make banks more successful, individuals better banked, and society better served. With our software, banks can create more human, differentiated digital experiences, hyper-efficient business models to benefit the bank and their customers, and simplify and transform their back office. Our clients are the highest performing banks with cost income ratios which are twice better than the industry average. Learn more at temenos.com. How does financial services get better? How does it get faster? And how does it get stronger? Come and help us answer those questions live in London on December 1st at the Fintech Insider After Dark, Better, Faster, Stronger. It's the latest live recording of our Fintech Insider podcast. That's right, we're back in front of a live studio audience. Stick around after the show for drinks, exclusive swag, and a chance to mingle with your favorite fintech insider hosts as well as other fintech fans. Find out more and get your free ticket now at bit.ly/afterdarkbetterfasterstronger. That's bit.ly/afterdarkbetterfasterstronger. So let's get started. As always, I am not alone, but I'm joined by a panel of amazing guests who can shed some light on all things Indian fintech. So firstly, making his fintech insider debut, we have Gajodpal Singh, India CEO of Tide. Welcome to the show. Please can you give our listeners a little bit of background on Tide in India, please? Thank you for having me on uh, the show Benjamin. Tide is a SME focused challenger bank. Uh, we are the leading SME focused challenger bank in the UK and uh, we are looking to replicate and bring similar platform you know to the 64 million SMEs in India and we started that journey sometime in 2021 and uh, we uh, hope to go live with a platform in early 22 you know which is catered uh, and being built for the Indian SMEs fantastic welcome to the show And then also making her fintech insider debut we're joined by Aditi Sholapurkar co-founder of Salt welcome to the show can you likewise tell our our listeners a little bit um a little bit about what Salt is and what it does thank you so much for having me Benjamin very excited to be here so Salt um has been set up by me and my co-founders we're three women that together have about 50 years of collective experience in banking and fintech and throughout this with our sort of lived experiences as well as what we've seen in our jobs we realized that the participation of women in formal finance is abysmally low and i mean like single digit percentage and it doesn't reflect 
either the inherent acumen that we have for money or our earning potential or our socioeconomic status or, or really any logical metric. And so that's when we decided to get together and set up SALT to put it very simply, make more women make more financial decisions. Excellent. I remember being at a conference in Mumbai a few years ago and being surprised by the low proportion of women, both on the stage and in the audience. So good. Glad you're challenging and trying to change that. So let's start by looking at the, the sort of Indian fintech market as, as a whole. If, if you were to try and describe the, the Indian fintech market in a sort of few words, what would those words be? What would you say sort of characterizes it? I mean, I think of, you know, all the sort of the energy and the diversity and the creativity of India's people. So, uh, see, uh, you know, I see fintechs as, uh, you know, pushing the boundaries, uh, resilient, and uh, also trying to take financial services to segments and uh, to niches, which has not happened till now in the ecosystem. So the, the words, specific words for me are, you know, pushing the boundaries and resilient in, in doing so. Aditi, what, what do you think? What's your view on the market? Um, sure. So, you know, Gurjo took one of my words, which was going to be resilient. Uh, so I, I'll find something new. But yeah, I think the words I'd pick are um, innovative and scrappy, to be honest. And, uh, you know, I, I like to call myself a fintech native because around the time I started working is when, you know, this word became really popular. And what I've observed over time is this... Um, very meandering, but still a very defined journey towards finding itself. So being, uh, you know, starting out as a very, very consumer focused market. And I almost used to say institutional is the stepchild of Indian fintech to today. That definition of consumer evolving to include more and more. I think MSME being the most, you know, notable one and Gurjot can attest to that. Um, and, and sort of seeing platform make inroads into the Indian fintech scene. So it's almost like what you would see in any other market in 20 or 30 years of evolution, seeing that same amount of evolution in a span of a decade in the Indian market. I think that for me has sort of been the defining characteristic of this very, very ever-changing market. One of the things I think is really interesting about the Indian market is the role that the that the sort of government um, has has played in trying to create the underlying infrastructure. So I, I mentioned the Aadhaar um, biometric system earlier, but you know there's a whole series of other capabilities in, in the so-called sort of India stack, creating you know a series of APIs that make it easier for fintechs to do things like confirm people's identities and so on. How, how important has, has that been to the evolution and growth of, of fintech in India? Quite important, uh, right? And even before this, you know, I would say, you know, the extent to which the data and smartphone penetration went, I think that that created, uh, uh, you know, even a scenario uh, where we completely jumped uh, the desktop generation, right? And people were consuming internet for the first time on smartphones. I think, uh, you know, that laid foundation for us to build all, you know, these enablers, uh, which uh, the government very rightly so did. So from a policy standpoint, right, if you uh, look at India as an economy and as a country, we have really transformed a lot over the last 30 years. So, you know, early 1990s, when we started opening us as an economy, I think 
there were lot of policy steps which government took which are uh, you know bearing fruit over over the last 10 years and uh, you know with this enabling factors like uh, you know aadhaar stack or all the digital apis you know i think this goes a long way in in enabling the fintech as such because it essentially helps us take the services and financial services and financial enablement to a next level and the cost of doing that uh, you know uh, is uh, is amazingly low as compared to uh, you know how a traditional sector would do i think uh, you know this enablement has gone a long way in in you know ensuring that the cost becomes or comes to a level where it becomes uh, uh, you know efficient to go to large segments go to segments which the traditional financial uh, services sector had not touched uh, you know be it products like insurance be it investment be it products around payments etc so all these uh, you know it's not that they were not there uh, but they were not reaching to a larger set of people because the underlying costs were very high so the stack essentially helped us do that the other piece which the stack has you know helped us do is that it has democratized the way we do business it's not that just the large players who hold a large amount of data who have large amount of captive base uh, you know using certain of their services they have not been able to build walled gardens around it and this is something which we have done very different from china and upi is a amazing example of that where you know anybody who ha- who has a bank account could get onto the platform through any uh, you know service provider he likes and uh, you know uh, transact and move money around so uh, this enablement and democratizing the uh, the the set uh, i think that's been a major achievement and i think this will go a long way as we grow uh, in this journey i think it's very early days in fintech but this foundation will help us and serve us very well as we as we go along i agree with so much of what you said not the walled gardens part to be honest but uh, it's 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 actually pretty amazing that we're having this conversation today on you know day 3 of um, uh paytm's offering and I, i'm sure you know everyone here is familiar with paytm but um it it brings me exactly to this question of infrastructure right india is not a country traditionally that outsiders would associate with in infrastructure play but if you think about it i think identity and payment rails or payment backbones are just two sort of solids that um you know the government and official bodies have done i think there's so much talk about upi and instant payments these days that very few people know that india was uh, amongst the first countries in the world to have a 24 by 7 payment settlement ecosystem in fact paytm and i i had the honor of you know working with them and helping them build the payments bank for a while the entire concept of the wallet that really revolutionized um you know digital payments and inclusion was possible of course because of you know the innovation of the founder and what they built but also because india had the imps 24 by 7 instantaneous settlement infrastructure right which was no small feat same way for upi upi is of course a fantastic innovative wrapper i do think we have still managed to build wall gardens but i think that's you know human nature but again that that's possible because that infrastructure exists and um i think even with identity i remember 
you know, just being very new in the workforce around the time when Aadhaar and the UIDAI project was being launched. And there was so much noise about, you know, the 101 ways in which this could be misused and you're making it so easy for any and everyone to get an identity, illegal immigrants and whatnot. And look at where that's gotten us today, that that noise is dissipated. We're a country where you're right. We have more than 99% identity adoption. And in a country where access is such a problem, including is such a problem, basic resources are such a problem, I think identity was just the bare minimum that could have been done and, and we're very fortunate that it has been done and executed well. So looking internationally, I think India can be you know, very proud of the achievements that um, the, the sort of India stack and all of those innovations that you, you, you mentioned have brought because to the point you're both making, it's, it's really brought down the cost of financial services and enabled that kind of uh, wider inclusion and democratization. I think you know people often talk about democratization, and it's maybe an exaggerated term. But I think in India, you really have seen lots of people being brought into the into the economy formally for the first time. Do you think how big a difference is that making to people's lives? I mean, Aditi, I think you're possibly close to this. And that may be unfair, but um, do you think it's making a real difference to people's lives? Because I always see fintech as a force for good of really enabling people to to access things. It's, it's do you think that's happening in India? 100%. I mean, I, I think, you know, truer words have now been spoken. And a lot of times you see technology being the opposite of an equalizer, but specifically in this case. And I think specifically, um, you know, with fintech and um, the way cellular data has sort of worked wonders for India, it's it's been crazy. So India is now the market, which I think the, the cheapest access to cellular data globally, right? And it's no coincidence that the fintech revolution has brought people into its fold because that, that access, the physical access to that amazing technology was, you know, made easy because people had phones that could connect to the internet. Um, there have been so many instances just in the last four or five years. Um, so the Indian government went through, um, you know, their sort of demonetization drive in an effort to sort of curb black money, etc. And obviously, because of the way in which it was carried out, what ended up happening was that the, I think the people that did have the the, the black money were super well prepared, but it was, you know, your small merchants, the sort of the slightly weaker sections of society, you know, um, lower social, th those were the people that were really stuck with, you know, money and paper notes that had no value and really no access to goods and services simply because their money lost value overnight, right? And the way sort of the, the digital challengers, the wallets and the QR codes, the way they popped up literally overnight in, you know, your subsi mandis or like your, your local vegetable markets to literally the biggest stores, that was crazy. A lot of people say that, you know, in Indian fintech leapfrogged half a decade worth of growth in those, you know, crazy three months or so of demonetization. And then I think, again, in COVID, right, the question of access, the fact that people were able to do so many things digitally, whether it was payments, whether it was, um, you know, not, not just sort of the givens like food delivery, etc. But for example, access to medication, access for access to doctors, you know, telemedication, health, uh, insurtech, so on and so forth. Um, I think that's that's just been tremendous to witness in India. Gurdjie, do you agree with that? I mean, I'm, I'm curious what role you think the sort of India, India's people and, and, you know, Indian business people have played in the in the rapid adoption of fintech? Because, you know, I look at Indians and they seem very different to, let's say, conservative Western Europeans like me. Do you think there's something about the nature of Indian people that has encouraged the uh, adoption? 
yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, you know, I believe the access to internet through smartphones, I think that was an important enabler. And, you know, as such, uh, a very large percentage of population was underserved, uh, right? Now, uh, you know, let me just, just pick up a few examples, right? It was a challenge for a migrant uh, worker to send money uh, back home from a large city, right? Today, everyone having a digital, uh, uh, you know, account has, has enabled that person to do it at a very low cost and at, uh, you know, with, with very insignificant time. Uh, you know, earlier, the methods and means that he would use were costly and inefficient. Similarly, you know, huge amount of government subsidy which came to these people, right? It came through traditional government bureaucratic routes. There was a lot of leakage, right? Now, with each person having identity and that linked to an account has essentially enabled, you know, this entire movement in a huge way. This is, uh, you know, so important and enabling from a financial inclusion standpoint, number one. And number two, as such for economy, this is, uh, this is a big enabler, right? You know, having said this, so this is just one part, right? We have just got people into an account having some sort of digital footprint. But along with that, you know, the way we take products like insurance to people, the way we take products like credit to people, embedded credit, the way buy now, pay later is picking up. So all these things are, uh, you know, huge enablers because India has very low uh, credit card penetration, right? And for people who are outside the formal credit, you know, the, the kind of informal credit that they depend on. So be it a SME, be it, a, you know, a gig worker, the kind of credit that they have to depend on, right? It's not efficient. It's not delivered in a way where it would enable the person in the long run, right? The rates are horrendous, the way the collections are done. So, uh, you know, all that is setting up a person for failure. The number of people who are coming into, uh, you know, formal credit, that has increased a lot. The number of people who have access to insurance products, that has increased a lot. The number of people who have access to make some sort of small savings, right? So if you, uh, you know, want to save, say, 100 rupee a month, right? In the traditional world, the cost of actually having that, um, uh, you know, in place would be higher than, uh, much higher than the return anybody would make. So essentially, it just never picked up, right? They would save money in cash which would never grow right so so those kind of enablements i think they they go a long way in uh, taking the society and uh, 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 taking the economy forward and having said that uh, right i think we had the right set of things in place we had people with smartphones accessing internet we had the aadhar stack in place and demonetization gave it the first push right there was a huge push and a uh, very large number of uh, people moved that inertia uh, you know was was gone and there was a lot of movement and post that the government has continued you know the move to bring in more digitization more compliance from a small and a micro enterprise standpoint which has also uh, you know worked favorably along with that uh, you know there has been a push towards uh, digitization because 
it delivers uh, you know lower cost or more efficiency for uh, for for organizations so that was happening but somewhere there were privacy concerns and all those pieces were also playing out on the side you know they were taking legal route and somewhere we were losing steam but with pandemic right i think that gave this entire thing another push i would say and we also latched on to other digital pieces which were still happening physically so for example uh, video kyc uh, uh, you know enabled and it's uh, it's it's being further strengthened or uh, further expanded to take over more use cases but i think that was a major step so uh, demonetization and pandemic i think that has given us a push which has helped us to achieve a lot more in in much less time definitely definitely i think we've seen the pandemic as a as a big driver of dig- digital adoption you know right around the, right around the world so so let's move on and, and talk a little bit about the the trends in sort of innovation and technology in india and specifically thinking about let's start with sort of thinking about some of the investment Aditi, you already mentioned you know paytm's it ipo which is obviously a huge event for for india and fintech perhaps the best known of all of india's fintechs um but of course it's not just paytm uh kpm reported that indian fintech saw something like two billion dollars of investment just in the first half of this year um which was nearly as much as the 2.25 billion dollars for the whole of the previous year so there's clearly more and more investment both from within India and internationally into Indian startups. Um, what's what's driving that? What are some of the sort of themes that, that are driving in investors into Indian in fintech? Aditi, what do you think? What's what's encouraging that? No, and that that's a, that's a great question. And, um, you know, a, a lot of people say that, uh, almost talk about this as a, as a coming of age, and I almost think it's a little bit overdue. So, in a past life, I've you know I've been an investment banker, I've been an early stage investor, and I used to cover APAC, and I was constantly surprised by how undertapped India seemed to be from an external money flowing in perspective. I mean, there was money, there were deals, but just the ticket sizes didn't add up to the potential of the market. And as you rightly pointed out, that's changed, right? The way investment into India bounced back right after the pandemic. I think deal count wise, ticket size wise, India, I think, um, sort of topped the APAC charts, even for 2020, which was a very difficult year. And I think even for 2021, it's getting reflected in the average ticket sizes across all rounds in in also the sector. So again, you know, India started out being a very D2C kind of market, because obviously look at the size of the country, right? 1.4 billion people. But you do see, um, you know, more institutional interest structure plays getting funded and i think a very sort of key theme that's emerged is as follows so again because of the size of the country right a niche in india is you know the size of uh, a lot of countries populations <laughs> right like, let's be honest and so um indian fintech which has always had that you know sort of bad rap of um, easy to scale but very difficult to monetize is now losing that bad rap simply because people have you know woken up to founders and the ecosystem has woken up to the potential of this vertical focus this niche focus because guess what with 1.4 billion people you can scale even in niches and verticals and you know um it, it started with really broad niches like for example msme and i know i hate to call that a niche but that is what the market was right it was so consumer obsessed that everything else was a niche right recently someone in the context of salt was telling us oh 
wow, you found your niche, women. And I'm like, there's something wrong with us if we're calling half the <laughs> half the population a niche. But but sure. Um, so you know, there's there's neo banks being built around specific business cases, around you know teenagers, around specific types of professions. There's a startup, and I don't know what else to call it. Um, they recently became a unicorn. It's it's almost like the blue collar LinkedIn, right? And that's such an amazing example of finding your niche because of course, in a country like India, you need a LinkedIn equivalent for your electricians and your plumbers and so on and so forth. And so I think in India, not just in fintech, but in tech in general, there's been this sort of um, rising to the potential of the the magic of vertical expertise. And I think um, the way I see it, not just as a founder, but you know, as an ex-investor, um, that is going to be the defining theme in Indian fintech and Indian tech, at least for the next five years. That's super, super, super interesting. Um, I, you know, I think it's it's sort of specialization, isn't it? As as businesses start to specialize in particular customer segments and so on. I mean, Gurdjieff, obviously, you're you're focusing on on small businesses, which is, as Aditi said, a huge, huge segment. Do you agree with that? Are there other are there other segments of the market that you're seeing? You know, obviously, small business. Um, do you see other segments as well where there's a, a lot of activity and a lot of opportunity? Uh, yes. So uh, just um, as we are on MSMEs, right? Uh, so India has ten percent of uh, MSMEs globally, right? So which is which is huge, and uh, these are just the registered numbers. But yeah, other than this, right? I believe there is a lot of traction in digital natives, right? Everyone who is in the age group where they have started doing everything digitally. So that is a huge segment and market in itself. And the way they think about financial services is very different from the way financial services have, uh, you know, have happened in the economy till now. And, uh, you know, if I draw a parallel with, uh, with say, UK, right, I think we are at a place where UK was around two and a half, three years back in terms of challenger or new banking standpoint. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, I believe over the next two, three years, the way we, we bank, the way we, you know, do our overall financial services, uh, I think that's going to evolve uh, a lot, right? Our traditional banks will evolve in the process and, you know, a lot of new players will, will, will emerge. So that's a huge segment. And within this, right, there are so many other sectors and areas which, which have evolved so well, uh, you know, within fintech. Other than Paytm, right? You hear uh, of of a company called Policy Bazaar who have been in InsureTech. They are the other ones going for IPO, and um, there have been also some good, very large exits. PayU, where which was my my last place of work. Uh, so we um, acquired uh, Citrus, which was a large deal for that time, and very recently PayU has acquired one of the other large PSPs called Buildesk, right, for a valuation of around 4 billion. So the exits have been uh, huge. There have been huge good exits. And, uh, you know, everybody is well aware of the of the Flipkart, uh, you know, exit which the investors got. So overall, I see investors see value and return because the market is huge and, uh, you know, there is uh, there is scale and there are so many problems to be solved. Innovation, I believe, you know, innovation is is the key here. The availability of tech talent and the kind of problems and challenges that they're trying to solve. 
I think all that, uh, you know, is, is very important. And the other thing which has worked really well for the Indian ecosystem is that all these people who have got exit, right, they have come back and they have uh, nurtured the ecosystem. So most of the founders who have got exit in some shape and form, uh, you know, I would say they have seeded at least 25 to, uh, to 40 startups each, which is, which is an amazing yeah. thing, wow. right? Yeah. Uh, there are few, few of such, uh, such people because they understand the power and growth, which uh, internet business can deliver in India. Uh, I think we have foundation set. If you are solving a problem and you are delivering value, you would get scale and you would make money. And you know, the kind of return that an investor makes uh, from an early stage investing, I think that's huge. Another data point is if you look at the number of Indian startups who are part of Y Combinator every year, just uh, over over last two, three years, I think that has shot up big time. So there is investor in, uh, interest from all over, uh, you know, be it uh, US-based investors or uh, UK-based investors, the kind of growth potential which is there in India uh, across, right, it's, it's, it's been amazing. Uh, and bunch of sectors, right, uh, not just fintech, right, if you look at edtech, I think that has grown very well and pandemic has given that another push. So bunch of sectors have seen good growth and pandemic has, you know, elevated them to a different orbit altogether. Excellent. You've, you neatly touched on a number of the a number of the sectors that I wanted us to touch on, like uh, insure tech and payments and so on. But I love your point about there's many problems still to be solved. So we're going to take a quick break and then we'll come back and dive into some of those problems that are, that are yet to be solved. So we'll take a quick break and be back very shortly. If you've been in payments for any length of time, you've seen the number of payment solutions explode. That's great for consumers, but incredibly complex for merchants and developers. That's where Primer comes in. Primer is the world's first automation platform for payments. With Primer, merchants and developers have all the underlying infrastructure and Lego blocks they need to build the best buying experiences for their customers. Learn more and book a demo at Primer.io. At SAS, they help their customers make banking simple, safe, and rewarding for everybody. They support banks in their goal to treat every customer as individual, combining data from across the bank with external information and real-time context. They deliver unique insights and a deep understanding of customers' needs. By applying these insights at the right time via the right channel, they help make every customer engagement with the bank a relevant, valuable, and seamless experience. SaaS enables banks to embed real-time intelligence in every interaction, helping them make smarter, faster decisions that transform customer experience. To find out more, search SaaS Banking. So let's continue by looking at some of the challenges and opportunities in India. And the, and the big one that immediately comes to mind is financial inclusion, um, partly because Aditi has already mentioned it. Um, you know, India is a huge country, but it is also uh, in, in parts a, a, a poor country. You know, there are many you know, poor people in India and some of those people have been financially excluded. Gurjo talked earlier about you know, some of the traditional systems that just made it hard for, for people to take part in the in the formal economy. So I think you know the fintech has this huge opportunity to be a force for good. Aditi, where do you think we are on that journey towards wider financial inclusion in India? You know, you're right. That is that is something that's I mean, of course it's close to my heart, but I think it's it's um it's a point of both pride and um 
you know, something that constantly bothers you for a lot of um, people in India, specifically those working in tech and fintech, because you're right, it's such a potent tool, right? Um, technology, the sort of the access, the awareness. Um, here's the challenge with India, right? So when you say 1.4 billion people, um, it's, it's almost like having so many countries within one country. In fact, there's a, there's a standard sort of adage that a lot of uh, you know, founders ask, budding founders, are you building for India or are you building for Bharat? And what that means is, you know, are you building for the um, sort of westernized, urbanized, you know, mass affluent and upwards, or are you building for sort of the heartland, the hinterland, you know, not necessarily the English speaking population, maybe the population that doesn't have access to resources and so on and so forth. And a lot of these definitions get mixed up. You know, you always think English speaking equals has money, will pay for things. That's not always true, by the way, right? And that's something that a lot of platforms have exploited really well, because they've realized that there's money to be made in these sort of non-glamorous customer segments, right? And I think the challenge with inclusion in India is there's so many levels of who is not included, right? Uh, I almost think of it as, you know, imagine there was a really long line and it was a spectrum and you were standing at some point in the spectrum. Inclusion to you is what you can see within, you know, maybe like a 500 mile radius of you, but there's so much outside of that that you're not even familiar with, right? A lot of people, for example, talk about inclusion in the context of, oh, mobile data. So, you know, payments become easier and so on and so forth. And suddenly you realize that, sure, you could bring mobile data to, let's say, parts of the country and you could theoretically give them access to digital money like Gurjob was talking about you know uh, migrant labor sending money back to their family but what after that is there a local acceptance ecosystem there right or forget acceptance if those people wanted to save money would banks open accounts for them um, there was there was something called the Jandan Yojana which was run by the government you know a while ago where bank accounts were created and penny dropped for practically the entire you know below poverty line and near poverty line yet when you go on the ground you realize the number of people that have a way of accessing that bank account was abysmally low most people didn't know that accounts had been opened for them so i think inclusion in india is going to be such a challenging problem that technology alone cannot solve it um there needs to be just more geographical focus more regional language focus so on and so forth Yes, the building blocks are there, I will agree. So Aadhaar was a big step, sort of the payment ecosystem rails um, that we have at a big step. The way um, acceptance and merchant infrastructure is evolving in India has been a big step. I think, um, you know, we're doing all the right things when it comes to the um, MSME and, you know, business side of the ecosystem. But there's a long way to go simply in terms of just executing upon these building blocks. Gurdjie, do you do you think um, established banks and insurance companies are, are doing enough? I mean, briefly, do you think they could do more, or are you seeing you know good initiatives from some of them? Well, I believe you know there are good initiatives from from most of them, right? The way fintech ecosystem is, right? I believe you know there is a very healthy collaboration between the banks and the 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 fintech world. Banks are the enablers here. Uh, so most of the work that we do, we are building a layer on top of the of the banks and, you know, banks uh, have been open enough to calibrate, not just banks. If you look at the overall ecosystem, there is something known as NBFCs. These are non-banking financial corporations which can do lending but cannot take deposits like a bank, right? They have been pretty open. Then NPCI, the, the body which 
National Payment Corporation of India, the body which built the UPI stack and the rupee stack, right? Uh, they have been very open. And the way regulator has railed, uh, you know, uh, has put down the, the rails, right? Even schemes like MasterCard, Visa, Rupee, even they have been very uh, open to integrating with or enabling the fintech ecosystem. So I believe that, uh, you know, banks or the traditional players, they understand the value of the business which fintechs are going to bring to them. And, you know, that is a segment or an area which they may not be able to reach or cater to by themselves. So that acceptance is, is good. That's one. Second, what is happening is a lot of these players, uh, they are evolving. Uh, you know, the use of technology in banks, uh, you know, that has uh, grown exceptionally well over over last few years. So this, uh, uh, you know, overall change in the ecosystem has pushed traditional players uh, also to change uh, in line with, with the times. So it's it's progressing well and there is good amount of calibration. Is there anything else that, that India and, and companies need to do to sort of drive financial inclusion? What what else do you want to see happening? So I believe a very important aspect uh, in financial inclusion is bringing credit to a larger number of people and businesses. Right Now, the major challenge here is who gives you your first line or credit, right? The Bureau is limited to a certain set of population or a certain set of businesses. Who gives you the first footprint on, on the Bureau? I think that is a challenge that we need to solve for. And, you know, digital footprint and using alternative data to underwrite along with AI and ML. I think that has started happening, but there is a key challenge, you know, in taking it to a larger set of businesses and users, number one, and also building out the right product at the right point in time, right? So for example, you know, in businesses, understanding the entire business vertically and then lending at various places, embedded finance, uh, right? And, you know, from a financial inclusion standpoint, microfinance. So I think these areas, uh, there is a lot of scope and a lot of potential. And we need to do, uh, you know, a lot of work on the ground in these two areas for financial inclusion. Thank you. Aditi, I'd love to close this section with, with your thoughts on, on how India can do more to drive financial inclusion, and then we'll move on. I, I think I do agree with a lot of what Gurjot said, and I think just the, the lens I take on it is, um, you know, utilizing alternative data, and it's it's been a theme globally, I mean, hedge funds do it. And I think India, because of just how unique it is as a country, you know, what people have access to and what they don't, there is actually a wealth of alternative data, right? Everything from the frequency with which you pay your mobile bill to whether, you know, it's prepaid or postpaid to, you know, where you live, uh, so many things that can be utilized. And I think access to credit, very honestly, is a big pain point. Um, you know, for businesses of all sizes, I'll be if, if I'm honest, barring maybe large corporates, access to credit is a problem for practically all sizes of business and and pretty much you know individuals in general. And and speaking you know more from from an individual lens, I think um, access to credit is one side of things, but you know what happens beyond credit, right? Um, savings or uh, you know growth of money, right? And Yes, for example, if you look at wealth tech and the way it's grown in India, it's it's been commendable in 
you know, the last couple of years. But there's so much more to go. Overall, the penetration of wealth in India is so low, which means that there are people who have money that's either sitting in a cash or bank account. And I think that culture of passive income of making your money work for you while you sleep is is, is kind of absent. Um, and, and I know it's sort of a broad view to take on financial inclusion, but truly, truly, when you think of overall financial betterment of a society, I do think that, you know, those elements are important, right? And you need to sort of get out of this mindset of have money stashed away. Um, I, I think, you know, the next leg of the journey is where I think the next maybe five years of consumer fintech in India need to focus on. That's a super, super interesting point. Okay, um, well, we're coming towards the end of the time. So so let's wrap up with um, two quick thoughts. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask maybe both of you in turn. Um, I'll say one question, then a second one. So the first question is, uh, what areas of Indian fintech you expect to see the most innovation in? And then the second one would be, what would be your advice to other fintech founders? So let's, so let's take the first question, um, and let's try, try to be relatively brief. Where do you expect to see the most innovation over the next um, couple of years in Indian fintech? Maybe, Gurje, we'll st- start with you. Uh, well, I would see, uh, uh, you know, uh, the the financial lending sector right uh, i think they'll be they'll be, they'll see the highest amount of innovation the way buy now pay later has come up and i think this will be followed by a bunch of other things uh, in the overall embedded finance in, uh, umbrella right i think buy now pay later is just the tip of the iceberg it's it's uh, just the first piece that we are saying but the kind of things this will enable from here on uh, i think that is immense uh, because very low credit card penetration, very low penetration of general formal credit, uh, right? Uh, so, and I think what we are going to replace is informal credit, the cash-based credit, all those inefficient things are going to be replaced by by formal uh, digital credit. And I think that will have a lot of innovation, will need a lot of work, but that's one area I'm quite passionate about. Excellent. And Aditi, what do you think? Oh, for me, it's a solid, um, you know, the platform play. India has been such a do-it-yourself, build-it-from-scratch kind of market. The platform play hasn't really taken off in India at all. Um, so if I wanted to, let's say, build a buy now pay later company, if I wanted to build a wealth tech company, or for example, the way we're building salt now, you do kind of have to build it yourself. There isn't a drive wealth equivalent in India that, you know, you could just plug and play. It's happening a little bit in the banking as a service space, in the issuance as a service space. But, but really, the market is so ripe because you're right. There's so many people. There's going to be a lot of founders. There's going to be a lot of startups. Not everyone needs to build the tech from scratch. And so I actually think it's just started. But in the next 10 years, the platform play or the as-a-service play is what's going to sort of be the headline innovation in the Indian fintech ecosystem. Brilliant. And can I have uh, sort of one piece of advice, maybe sort of for other startup founders from, from both of you? Let's start the other way around. So let's start with Aditi. Please, please, please build your tech well from scratch. I've seen it built the wrong way from scratch. The cost of fixing it is just so, so heavy. Um, build it right, build it slow, but build for longevity. And Gerje, one sentence from you, please. Well, she's talked about tech. I would uh, talk about the business model. I think go deeper, have your uh, business model in place before you scale. And, uh, uh, you know, try to answer the following question. What is your right to play? Why do you think you are going to solve this problem and the traditional banking sector could not? Uh, so these two pieces are, uh, are, are quite important from, from my standpoint. Wonderful. 
I've so enjoyed today's conversation. I could happily talk to you all day about India. I'm sure you've got many other things to get on with and, and so have our listeners. Um, but this has been great. So that wraps up today's conversation. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, where can people find out more about you and your companies, um, Adity? Uh, yes, you should head to uh, salt.one. That's S-A-L-D dot O-N-E. I do like to think of the best websites out there. Um, and if you want to follow us on the socials, uh, Twitter and Insta, we're on at the rate MySaltApp. That's M-Y-S-A-L-D-A-P-P. And Gajot. Uh, please, um, you know, visit us at tide.co and uh, on social media, follow us on LinkedIn, um, Insta, as well as uh, all, all other places we are there. And... Uh, do do reach out to me on Twitter or LinkedIn. Uh, happy to to share thoughts on fintech. And you can find me, Benjamin Ensor, on LinkedIn or on 11fs.com. So thank you so much. Thank you to my guests for joining. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, if you like what you've heard, please subscribe to our podcast and don't forget to leave us a review. As always, if you want to join the conversation, please find us on social media. Just search for 11 colon FS or Fintech Insider or email podcasts at 11fs.com. Thank you so much for joining me and goodbye. Goodbye.